Well, hey there, everybody. This is Float On, the podcast that gives you guidance and insight in seeing more beauty along the river ride that is life. You can't go back. You can only learn and move forward. I'm your host and producer, Daily Jean, and I'm super excited you're here with me to learn together as we inevitably float on. I hope today is treating you kindly and that you're doing well. This week's episode includes Amanda Ferret, who is the founder of Value Yourself Counseling. She has an extensive history of education and experience in the mental health and wellness field and social services. She uses her education, experience, skills, and passion to help other women heal from loss and grief and to go from being emotionally and mentally reactive and out of control to taking back the driver's seat in their lives. As a certified emotional wellness counselor, EFT practitioner, and speaker. She believes all women have had to navigate difficult things and boundaries in their lives and deserve to be healed and empowered to be all that they are meant to be. Amanda was such a pleasure to speak with and honestly I feel like I made a new friend. So much goodness came out of our conversation and I'm excited to share it all with you. So let's jump right into it. Amanda, I'm so happy you're here. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's a sunny day here in Portland, Oregon, so I can't complain. Yes, Portland. Gotta love it. So do me a favor, Amanda, and tell us a little bit about some of your important moments as someone who really strives to learn from life and what you feel led you to that point. Well, I am a Montana ranch kid. Um, Actually, we lived in town, but my grandparents were both ranchers on both sides of my family because my parents grew up together. And so you learn a lot being a Montana kid that has access to ranch life, you learn about the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> you learn where things end up on your plate, where they came from. Wow. Um, but my grandpa loved to learn. He loved Lewis and Clark and history and various things. And, you know, his office was fairly off limits, but he had these shelves above his desk of all these old books and he would pull them out from time to time and share them. And one of the things we actually like to do was pull out his big old dictionary and flip to a random page and run our finger over and then stop randomly. And like whatever word we landed on, that was the word that we learned of the day and kind of would figure out ways to use it creatively That's in sentences. So fun. He did that with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and he also loved comic books as well. Right. So it was the full range from comic books to like very history heavy textbooks. That's that pretty neat kind though. Of, yeah. I loved it. And so that's where my love of learning kind of started. And my other grandparents, my mom's parents had these shelves full of encyclopedias. So like there were always books present. Mm -hmm. And so I had this love of learning and then learning from life too, right? Like, again, growing up kind of a feral child in Montana, you learn all these life lessons. (laughs) And (laughs) that term, I don't know why it cracks me up. I'm a cat lady. So, (laughs) well, we were, we were safe to run around, you know, our neighbors kept an eye on us. We literally... I mean, we weren't always safe, right? Like back then you could very easily slip a car into neutral. Right. We lived on the main street in town and there were more times than I'm sure they'd care to count that, you know, our street, <laughs> our car would be rolled into the street because oh us gosh. kids would be pretending to drive, you know, things like That's that. Funny. But <laughs> my biggest learning curve has been around grief and loss in my life. And that started for me at age seven when a friend of mine died. Um, he was bucked off a horse <gasps> and didn't survive. Oh my gosh. Wait, was this a friend like your age? Yes, he was my age. Oh my gosh, Amanda. I knew, you know, of course my family wanted to protect me. And I said, no, we go to funerals. That's what you do when you love someone and care about someone. Yeah. You show respect by going to their funeral. Oh my gosh, I'm like tearing up right now. (laughs) 
Just imagining like a you're seven yeah. and you lose a friend that way. Well, and I loved horses. Yeah, I was just going right. to say, like, there's so many levels to that because you were an outdoor kid and you loved it was such a huge part of your life. And then, like, bam, smacks you right in the face, you know? Right. And I still, I've never, I'm still not afraid of horses. I will rock, walk right up to horses, other livestock, not afraid at all. But I knew in that moment, like, I also didn't need to be afraid of death. I want to go to the funeral. It's not going to traumatize me. And I still yeah. can see um, my mom and I walking in and I see the small casket up at the front of the church covered in flowers. And that's oh all I kind of visually remember. But, you know, I learned about that life and death and the cycles all through my life, right? Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't get attached to the baby calves when we'd have to bottle feed them or anything like that because one day they were going to end up on somebody's plate, yeah. you know, like learning about those things. But yeah. then I was actually the first person to go straight through high school and into college. My mom started college and then took a break and married my dad and kind of took her life another direction and then went back to school once us kids were older. But I was the first one in my family to go straight through high school and was graduated with high honors, was on the National Honor Society, had been a scholar and a learner and, you know, loved nice. to be in all the things academic and went on to college and college got a little trickier, right? Because yeah. I was thinking I wanted to be a veterinarian and then realized that cycle of life stuff was a little too much to deal with all the time. <laughs> Um, yeah. I worked in a vet hospital my entire senior year of high school oh, wow. and got to see how hard it was yeah. to do all the things. And so once I realized how competitive it was, right. And that there were real ranch kids who had literally been dealing with it way more than I had. Oh, I was wow. like, yeah, I'm going to let you guys have that. I'm going to find <laughs> something else. And oh eventually God. landed in family sciences because I realized people, I had a knack for working with people and helping people and yeah. I really was called to be of service to folks. And so got my college degree, was kind of on that five-year plan and, you know, went through a few majors, Yeah. but my family really pushed for me to continue to be a learner. I wanted to take a break a couple of times and they were like, no, just do it. Just do it. Aww. And my learning journey continued because all of our social service jobs in Montana got cut after I graduated. Oh. So everyone I had graduated with, we were fighting for jobs. Agencies were literally being dissolved into other agencies. Why and so was I said, that? Was there some bigger reason that was happening? Montana's fairly conservative. And so social, social services often end up on the chopping block. Gotcha. So this would have been early 2000s. And so I was like, well, what can I do where my education can still be honored, but like I can move and have housing. And so I nannied. Ooh, and I got nice. <laughs> yeah. And I got placed with an amazing family in Princeton, New Jersey. And this was less than a year after 9-11. And Princeton, Ooh, New Jersey wow. is only about an hour outside of New York City. Yeah. So my family was terrified to have me move away with all of that. And I was like, no, I'm ready to go. Like, yeah. I can't keep working for pennies in Montana. Like, right. I need to get out and have an adventure. I'm young. And one of the really cool things was the family I worked for honored that I was educated and that I had a college degree. And the nanny, one of the nannies before me was an advocate for nannies to get continuing education. And so she advocated for us to have it kind of worked into our contracts that there would be something. So they actually paid for me to go to the National Association for the Education of Young Children conference oh gosh, every so year. Neat. Right. And so I got to continue learning. And so that I've always had this love of continuing to learn, continuing to better myself. And that continued as I nannied. And then I finally transitioned from nannying back into kind of the social services field in that world, you constantly have to keep learning and growing because there's always new modalities and new things. So I was always in a field of work where learning, continual learning was always encouraged yeah. and part of, part of the expectation. Yeah. And so that fit for me because I've 
I've always kind of been that lifelong learner. Yeah. But then my, my grief journey and learning there really came back into play kind of 2014 on July of 2014, right around my birthday, my grandma was sick and dying of lung cancer and she'd never been a smoker. It came on really quick. Wow. I'd last seen her in May and she was fine. And then that July, I spent my birthday holding her hand as she was starting to fade and she was gone two days later on the 17th. And so, you know, came back to Portland, had a job that wasn't very compassionate. You know, we were supposed to take care of everybody else, but they weren't very good about having us truly take care of ourselves, even though they preached self-care, but they micromanaged ourselves self-care, which takes the self out of self-care <laughs> and doesn't really work. Yeah. Um. So I lost that job, which was a blessing in disguise. Right. But then, you know, monetarily that kind of put me in a tough spot and I lost a friend. And so I wasn't able to go home for his funeral. And oh, man. so it became this journey of like, all right, what is life trying to teach me? Like, yeah. I lost a job. I've lost, you know, my person and my family. I've lost a good friend. Yeah. What do I need to figure out? And what is my next step? And so finally my unemployment kicked in and I was like, I'm coming home. I need to come home. Yeah. Um, I need to, some time around my family. And my dad had been battling cancer for quite a while, but he was doing pretty good at this point. And I remember sitting at the dining room table with him and I don't remember how we got on this subject, but I was talking about grad school that I was Mm -hmm. thinking about grad school. And I was like, Oh, someday. And he's like, why someday? Why not now? And so I got on to Portland State University's website for their school of social work and looked when they were having their next orientation and when their deadline was. Mm -hmm. And so I was home and it was November. Well, they had a student orientation coming up in December. I was like, well, I guess I have to drive back to Portland for this because I just signed (laughs) up. And the application was due, I want to say end of January, February, somewhere in there, right? So literally came home, devoted every single day to like, I do my minimum requirements, right? To keep getting my unemployment (laughs) for looking for a job. But otherwise every hour was devoted to filling out my grad school application, submitted that. And then I think that April I found out. And by then I had gotten another job and they knew in that job interview that I had applied for grad school and that that was a possibility. So I got the, I got into grad school. So started fall of 2015. Yeah, it was super exciting. I was like, yes, I get to continue learning. So started grad school while having this job and they decided they weren't as accommodating as they had promised they would be. And so that wasn't working out anymore. So (laughs) left that job and focused solely on school. But that's good though, because you kind of knew your direction and you're like, no, I need to do this right now. Right. You know, like this is, and I'm going through that right now. I've I've put... (laughs) off my hiring my education. I'm a teacher and I've put it off for years because I was in a district where my job security was basically on the chopping block every year. Mm. And I finally left there. I finally had enough stress and it was just draining on me for so many years that I I changed districts. And now I feel like I'm in a better place. It's a growing district. I have a little bit of security enough that I felt like I could pursue my... And so then COVID hit and I'm like, wait, I'm home all the time. It's time to do this. And so now I'm in the midst of doing my master's degree too. And it's funny how life does that for you. Like when you want something, you know, it's almost like, you know, some people talk about manifestation. And I just feel like if you're open to the path and seeing it, yes, then it's, then it's there and it will, if you're aware of it and you're willing to see like, oh wait, maybe this is my chance right now. You know, it's neat that you did that. You stuck with it. (laughs) Well, I stuck with it till life decided it had another plan. 
Uh-oh. And so summer of 2016. So I loved my first year in grad school. I learned yeah. so much. In fact, I kind of became this like almost weaponized, right? Cause I had all this social justice knowledge suddenly <laughs> and all these things. And like, my mind was being blown wide open and everybody's like, Whoa, you're really intense. And I'm like, I just want to share all this knowledge that I have. Right? And everybody's like, you need to you need to calm down a little bit. Like, no, it's so exciting. I have this new worldview. It's great though. And uh, which for my conservative, you know, Montana family and friends, they were kind of like, Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, Portland finally got to her. She's, she's, <laughs> in the little out there. But uh summer of 2016, my dad's cancer, it became apparent again on my birthday no. that his cancer was going to win. Um but we had a little bit of time this time, so I was able to let PSU know that I needed to take the fall off. Yeah. And I came home and I got to spend the last two and a half weeks of his life with him. Wow. Helping my mom with the caregiving and you know, that was another opportunity to learn, yeah. right? It was learning yeah. about how to be in those difficult moments, mm-hmm. learning how to be with someone through awful, horrible physical pain and like trying to figure out emotionally, you know, coming to terms with the Mm -hmm. fact that they're dying and it's a lot. It is a lot. And then, you know, all the family roles, right? Like what role do we each play and making sure we don't kill each other, Mm -hmm. (laughs) stress each other out. Everybody grieves differently too. Right. So learning. And And when it's, when it's over, it's a very strange realization how much of a cloud you were in at that point. You know what I mean? It's, it is, it's very intense. Well, in my cloud stuck because I came home in time to vote in the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. And that of course did not go the way I had hoped. And even though I wasn't in school, it was a major blow to most of us in the program because again, we all had a we voted a different way than how things went. And we, we could see the impact it was going to have. And so we literally like, there were meetings held like where we could just come and share as students. And so I was up on campus, even though I wasn't enrolled in that fall term, Mm. I went back and was holding space with my peers who were grieving, right? This turnout from the election. And so I went from, you know, and I didn't really get to fully grieve my dad. Four days after he passed, I was in my best friend's wedding. And like, there was all these things to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I just kept doing the things and doing the things. Yeah. So January comes, winter term starts. I'm back in school. So this is January, 2017, February, 2017, my grandpa is dying. So it's, Hey Mandy, you got to come home again. So go home. One year after another almost. Oh yeah. And so go home spend time with my grandpa as he passes. In fact, I read him stuff about Lewis and Clark, right? Again, that lifelong oh, learning. I, I read to him in his last days. And you were very close with your grandparents, it seems. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My too. grandparents helped raise me just as much as my parents. Same. My grandparents were, I think, even more of an influence on me. And I spent, and they passed away two days apart from separate mm. causes. It was so surreal. And I, so I can totally relate to this one after another experience right. and just trying to navigate that as a young person, right. these people who you view as important pillars of who you are, right? you know? Yeah. So it was midterms. So trying to finish and juggle midterms and get home and deal with that and then come back and finish out the term and spring term went okay. Summer comes. I'd had some more losses in there of kind of other distant family members or people I knew, but nothing me. And then over the summer, my cat who had had for a decade, she'd moved with me from Philly to Montana to Portland was diagnosed with kidney disease. No, that's the worst. (laughs) I had one like that too. We have so much in common. And she was failing fast. We got about two months with her and it was pretty evident she'd quit eating. And so put her down on a Saturday and started the fall term on a Monday. Oh my gosh, Amanda. Right? 
And so you've gone then, through this cycle of like always having something immediately after a loss. Yes. So then my dad's cousin passed away and my grandma was having trouble and she finally fell and it was the last kind of straw and she was passing. Mm-hmm. So it was pack up finals, do what I can before I leave, pack up the rest of my finals. I was literally finishing my finals at her bedside, her last week of her life, you know, stayed through her passing and through that Christmas break and then came Gosh. home to Portland and went right back to school in January. And finally, Finally, it caught up and life imploded. That's where I had to learn to stop and take care of myself and that life had different lessons for me and a different path for me. And I was faced with a really big decision. Do I keep pushing or do I take a step back? And so I took a step back. Taking that step back made me realize I didn't want to finish my master's. It wasn't a path I wanted to be on anymore. The people that had advocated and were so excited about me being on that path were now no longer alive. So what did it matter anyhow? Right. And so kind of slipped into some darkness. Things got darker and worse before they got better. But then I realized, you know, I need to fix this. I have always been somebody that's overcome and it became a lot of learning, a learning about family. I learned from other relatives that there had probably been some intergenerational trauma and abuse handed down and that things that my grandparents and my dad had maybe done had been learned by other relatives and Mm -hmm. started to like unpack some of that and relate it to like, oh, I've probably had anxiety and mental health my whole life, but we never talked about it. So now what can I do to break that chain and break Mm -hmm. that you know, train. And so started going and I'd gone to therapy a couple of different times in my life, but found a new therapist and was like, Hey, like, I really want to dig in. Like it's time yeah, to, to do, do some work. real work. Yeah. And being somebody that's in the world of social work, that was learning to be a therapist, I would great. I would create these relationships with my therapist where we'd almost become buddies. And I, so yeah. I said that with, with this new therapist, I said, we got to have boundaries because right. I'm really, and it's not a manipulation. Like I don't do it on purpose, but I'm smart. Like I know right. what I know because I was going to be you. So I need somebody that's going to like hold me, my feet to the fire. And so I found a great therapist and I also did my reading up and educating myself on, cause I, my, not only my mental health and emotional health were struggling, I had some stuff going on physically. So I did some reading and learning about the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act and realized I qualified according to the ADA as disabled. Oh wow! And so for my 40th birthday, I got myself a puppy and decided to train him as a service dog because you can train your own service dogs. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. And so I did that because I was agoraphobic at the time. And so it was going to force me to get out of the house Oh wow! and start to reintegrate myself into society because you can't yeah. hide in the house with a puppy Yeah, that you're trying to train as a service animal. Yeah. But you found a way to sort of give yourself a reason to overcome, right. you know, you're like, you know, I need this thing that's going to help me overcome this yes. other thing. Right. And it kind of backfired because people aren't very good with so with service animals. People don't follow the law. They don't know. No. So they don't always follow, but people are horrible. They distract your dog. They talk yeah. to it. They, oh, look they at the puppy. Pet like, it. Right. So I was like, oh, this is not working, but we, I stuck it through and we found a good trainer and I was getting some help and we were working on things. And then lo and behold, he's disabled too. <gasps> I noticed noticed a change in his gait and started getting him assessed. And sure enough, he has his femurs are turned in and he has kneecaps that slip out of place unexpectedly. Oh my gosh, poor buddy. How do you take that? Surgery 
Oh, wow. But he's not a candidate right now for surgery because he's still so young that he would never follow surgery protocol. So he actually has adapted. He knows how to get his kneecap back into place. He no knows way. How, mm-hmm. Wow. He, he's resilient. And so ethically, I couldn't work him as a service dog anymore. Yeah. So he, and he, honestly, he probably would have failed. <laughs> <laughs> he's an Akita and Akitas are stubborn. He, oh, those are neat um, dogs though. Yes. They're cool. But he, He's now an emotional support animal and he still does some of his work. Like he emotionally empathetically is very in tune. Yeah. Um, in fact, if I'm on zoom with somebody and he feels their emotions, like he'll come in and check in on my what? sessions. Oh my with gosh. People. That's amazing. Yeah. What a guy. He, What's his name? His name is Ludo. L-U-D-O. Oh, I love that. It's from the movie Labyrinth that came out in the 80s oh, with yes. David Bowie. Yes, I yes. know what you're talking about. So he actually, he had surgery in October of this last year. And my mom was here. It was totally random. It was an emergency surgery that he had to have. So it kind of ruined my mom and I's plans to actually go to the coast like you and I were talking about earlier. <laughs> right? The beautiful Oregon coast. Yes. But I also had a horrible flare up. I have chronic and mental illnesses and my chronic illnesses were flaring. Oh, wow. So he's literally laying there in his on his bed right still kind of doped up cone of shame on and all and he sees and can tell that i'm not okay and Uh i was starting to cry and i was in massive pain and he got up went and alerted my mom like he was trained to do and then came and started doing he nudges my thigh and then lays so i can because he's got the best like scruffy fur on his shoulders teddy bears yeah and so i look over at my mom and her jaw is just sitting on her chest and she's like what i said yeah you can't untrain certain parts of right. a service animal yeah and i said yeah even though he's in pain and he just had surgery and i need to yeah. be taking care of him she's like i just can't believe how empathic and empathetic he is i said oh yeah he's a total you know That's he's so lo- he's a loyal protector and like a big yeah. bad guard dog and a super sweet teddy That's bear great how old is he now his birthday is tomorrow march 10th and he's <gasps> turning three that's so fun he's birthday buddies with my youngest cat she's turning one on friday <laughs> carmella so exciting that's so, so amazing though that you got him and he's in your life it's sort of an interesting thing though like how his path i feel like your life you had these intended paths and you're like wait life has another <laughs> plan for me and your dog sort of lived that same right parallel it's interesting and we've had and it's all been learning, right? Like I've had yeah. to learn. I had to learn about training him. And then I had to learn about taking care of him now with this new, I, I don't even want to try to say the name of what they call it for his kneecaps. Oh, it's this big, buddy. long, complicated thing. And, you know, but we've adapted. Yeah. Together. Yes. I love and it. so my healing journey continued. I had to pivot and swerve because I didn't have him anymore. So it was like, okay, so how do I keep going into society? Like, yeah, but do it by myself and take care of myself. And yeah, and life kept handing me losses. Summer of 2019, a friend of mine that I'd known kind of vaguely in high school, but got to know him better in college. And he actually became my best friend's brother-in-law. He died by suicide in the summer of 2019. And so I went home as soon as I could and was there to help them do all they could as a family and was Mm -hmm. helping them cope and sort through things and was there holding space for everybody and all the emotions and was home for kind of two different chunks of three weeks. So about six weeks total. And Mm -hmm. I came back to Portland after all of that. And I was like, all right, life is telling me something. I've been on this learning and healing journey. I've done all 
all these things for me and I just paid it forward and I paid it forward and it was very beautiful. How do I, how do I turn this into something? What does this mean? And so I met with a friend of mine that was a business coach. I was like, what do I, where do I go? Like, I'm, I don't want to go back to grad school. So what can I technically call myself? And like, what do I need to do? And so at that point I could call myself a coach. And so I decided I was going to be an emotional wellness coach and work in grief and those things as well and self-care because I realized that when somebody isn't micromanaging your self-care, it really can be about yourself Yeah, (laughs) and you can make it what you need it to be. And that that's the biggest key to unlocking healing is to Uh really prioritize your self-care. And so that was started in end of 2019, beginning of 2020 and then COVID, right? Pandemic hit. And I was like, okay, well, cool. I get to keep learning. Like I don't have to be in a hurry to make this business a thing. I can sit back. So it was taking everything, of course, moved to online. Mm -hmm. I signed up for every single like webinar and class and course. And I was taking anything and everything I could Mm -hmm. also doing more things to heal personally did hypnotherapy, all these other things. And then summer of 2020, I learned of EFT tapping. What and is that? I've never heard of this. I saw it in so, your bio and I was like, I don't know. Or it was so, on your form or something. And I was like, <laughs> oh, tell me about it. So EFT stands for emotional freedom techniques. Okay. And it's literally, it combines Eastern and Western practices. So the Eastern practice is that you tap on acupressure meridians on your hands, body, and I've face. I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah, while integrating talk therapy and the talk therapy is helping you kind of dig into your subconscious and work through emotions or memories, beliefs, trauma. And so I saw Jackie McDonald come on somebody, Jaya Rose's page live, and I jumped in right as they were about to start tapping. So it's kind of like Simon says, so you just follow along as somebody leads you through. And so I start following along and the tears start flowing. And I feel all this stuff like start to unlock and get set free and released and all these things. And I was like, okay, what is this magic? (laughs) I need this magic in my life. I need to not only learn it for myself, but I need to learn, use it with future clients. Like this is, this is the magic I need in my life. Yeah. So Jackie soon after announced that she was going to be training. She'd have a new round of um, basic training to become an EFT practitioner. I was like, I'm done. Like, take my money. Here I go. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you had an experience with it. That's how I am with, have you ever heard of EMDR? Yes. I did EMDR briefly. I did EMDR for probably a solid year with my counselor getting through and healing from PTSD from my childhood and things. And it's the same thing where I feel like I, I wish I could just go train in that and help people because it's so amazing. And when you have something like that, do the healing that you've always wanted and never got. And then all of a sudden this simple thing happens and you're like, what? I'm telling you, I've had like so many friends come to me and tell me about parts of their life. Just a good friend last week. And I literally told her, I'm like, you have PTSD. I'm telling you right now, just by what you're telling me, because she's describing these moments where she has like overwhelming emotion and like physical symptoms. And she's actually saying the word triggering. And I'm like, you have PTSD. How do you not (laughs) see this? Because some people I think just view it as like something that a soldier gets from a horrible experience overseas or something like that. Like no, any trauma, anything at all that causes you emotional scarring that you bear with you in the future that you 
experience as fresh emotions based on an external stimuli is a trigger and you have post-traumatic stress. Like that's, that's what it is. So it's funny because it reminds me of that. I'm going to have to look into this EFT. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a magical tool. So what it does is as soon as you start tapping, it calms the amygdala and the sympathetic nervous system, as well as the limbic system. So your emotions are calmed. Your fight or flight is calmed. Your cortisol response, all of that calms down. So then you can go from kind of this like frantic, reactive, fight or flight, you know, state of being yeah. to this rest and repose state. And you can access your subconscious at a deeper level. And that's where you can move from one emotional state to another. You can heal old thought patterns or beliefs. You wow. can heal trauma. Mm-hmm. And we also, the method I'm trained in, the McDonald manifestation method, it trains us in not only doing like the inner child and inner warrior work, but future work too. So wow. how we talked earlier about that receptivity yeah. and that manifestation, it does the work of like, well, what do you want? You Let's go back and heal all the mm-hmm. old stuff and the stuff that you've got going on now and let's build a future vision for yourself and get you ready to welcome all that in start clearing that path out right and so I love EFT for what it can do and I love the method I'm trained in and it's also really good a lot of people hear about EMDR or hear about EFT EFT, and they get scared because it's like you're gonna dig into my trauma you're gonna dig into my memories and then what are you gonna do with me And the beautiful thing about EFT tapping and that I'm trained in is we are trained how to keep those memories safe, how to put it away safely if we're running out of time in a session, how to keep you safe so that you don't leave a session. Right. With some raw trauma cut right open. Yeah. We're trained to not re-trigger. We're trained to, if a memory comes up, kind of approach it in a way that keeps you safe so that you aren't re-traumatized and that that memory can be honored and reworked as needed. And I love that because I come from a harm reduction umbrella and I don't ever want to do more harm in my work with folks. So I absolutely love the McDonald manifestation method. And so I was like, okay, dive in and I'm learning this new thing. And then I found a wellness counseling certification program with Cornell. And I was like, oh, I'll sign up for that too. Like, let's learn more things. Let's (laughs) learn all the things. (laughs) I'm always doing stuff always because I feel like it's so powerful when you learn things that you're interested in. That is the double whammy. If you're going to get education and be open to it, it's got to be something that you're passionate about. And I've, I've said this too, in, in, past episodes, you know, that whole, the modality and the process of learning, just viewing it as a process that you need to first educate yourself on the act of learning and understanding that you have to be open and passionate about that subject matter. And what that can do for you is amazing. You know, it's world shifting. It really is. Well, and then part of my motivation for going for the eCornell certificate was I had gotten halfway through a graduate program, but I left it in trauma and some of it was learned in trauma and trauma brain hides things. It tucks things away. It was tucking all these things away to keep me safe, but it was taking all the learning with it. Yeah. And so I was like, I need this certification to bring all those things back to let my brain know that it can let those things come forward. Those things are okay to know. Right. Those things are okay to learn. Part of the process of taking that four class certification was to unlock everything I had learned in grad school, bring it back safely mm-hmm. to my brain and tell yeah. my brain it was okay to know those things. And then to learn more, right. And to refresh that. And it was an amazing learning curve. And I was like having all these things come back and I'm like, Oh, I know this stuff. Like, I got this. <laughs> And my professor confirmed it. She's like, you're, you know, her feedback was yeah. constantly positive and like, you're way ahead of a lot of your peers. And I was like, sorry, you tell me I could have saved myself some money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I could have skipped some of this. <laughs> 
But I'm really glad I did it because again, it reinforced that love of learning. It it reinforced that I knew what I knew yeah. and that I, those were those things I still needed to know. And now I know them. Yeah. And that combined with learning the EFT and being certified now as a basic EFT practitioner, it has unlocked my path. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm in the advanced practitioner training right now. It's slated to end in April and I'm loving that we're learning all these fun things about memory work and inner child work. And you sound I'm- excited. I can tell your whole, your energy is just coming right through. Like well, I Because not totally only do I get it. to do all my healing, right? Like yeah. I'm learning how to fix and heal all these things and learn how to be the best version of me. Yeah. I now get to help other women learn how to get rid of those yeah. blocks, those thought patterns, those beliefs, those traumas, and be the best versions of it's themselves. so powerful. I mean, that it is, is so, so fulfilling, powerful. you know, when you know that you're helping people. And one thing I thought was interesting that you mentioned, and I don't even know if you noticed this, but when you <laughs> talked about finishing your certificate at Cornell and you had said it's okay to let some of these things through and that the trauma brain hides things. I think that it's important for my listeners to know that your trauma hides away anything else that you were experiencing during that time. It packs it away. It's the normal function of your brain to cope and get through is to pack it away. And if you are experiencing trauma or you have experienced trauma and you feel like you've got loopholes in your emotional development or in your passion or interests or paths in life that you need to deal with that trauma. It's a time to safely unpack it, find some help. Someone like Amanda would help very much. And (laughs) to really deal with that because I think people like to go on thinking that they're strong enough Mm -hmm. and that they can move past it and they can make their own closure. And, you know, there's that whole like, oh, find peace. Yes, that process is there, but there's more to it than just saying, oh, I found my peace with it. No, no, you've got to unpack and deal. You know? Right. Well, and that's, you know, I had, I was engaged when I lived in Philly and it ended kind of rocky because it ended around the time my dad was diagnosed with cancer and like, it just didn't, he cheated yeah. on me and like, all whatever, oh. like we won't even go there. Right. But I used to have all these recipes that I just made from memory. I never wrote them down. Right. I was in, embodying my Italian great grandmother and I just Ooh. didn't write them down. And I can't remember any of those things. Oh, They're gone. Like I had, I bummer. used to make the most amazing barbecue sauce and like all these and they're gone. And now that I've started to the healing some yeah. of it is coming back as well as That's some of so that passion great. right yeah but like you said like we need to go in because our brain does its function if we go back to primal caveman days right mm-hmm. like our brain's function was to protect us yes And that is, even though we've now developed all these wonderful things in our brains and we've got all these parts and pieces that can do all these things, we still go back to lizard primal brain when we are activated, when we are overwhelmed, elevated, any of those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. we go back to primal brain. So to get to that other parts of your brain and access your subconscious and access higher thinking, you have to calm those things that EFT tapping calms, then start to work through and pull those threads out. Yeah. Um, Because I like to see it as like a tightly wound ball of yarn that's been locked in a little safe. And Mm. so once you can like break into the safe, you then slowly start to pull those threads of yarn out and kind of untangle them. sometimes some are tied to others that you never saw the tangle before and now it's like all about it. (laughs) I know. I kind of wish I had a wall in my house where I could literally like paint it with the whiteboard paint and start to map out my trauma. I thought about that too. But I was like, I would need a pretty big wall and that might get kind of messy. Yeah. And I don't know if I really want to beautiful mind this trauma all yeah. over my wall. That's the beauty of EFT yeah. and taking these trainings is it has helped me kind of pull those threads out and That's figure out neat. how interwebbed everything is. Yeah. And 
it's like, okay, so then I need to work on this, this, and this, and then this will help resolve this issue. Right. And it's been so empowering. Mm-hmm. The confidence that. that's come through, the desire to learn again, the desire to be creative again, like all those things have been shut down as coping mechanisms in my losses mm-hmm. and in my trauma, like all of that. I don't, you know, people, listeners can't see, but you can see me right now. Like I, my office is half craft room. I see I it. Be super creative. And that just got shut down as well with all my loss yeah. because it was just too hard. Yeah. And now that creative flow is starting to come back. Yeah. So when you can like unlock those pieces of yourself, it feels so good. And yes. so it's so liberating. Leaving. Yes, it yes. is. It's like pressure, like you're bottled up and you've got this cap screwed on tight. And then when you open it, it's just like, pew, pew, like I'm right. out, I'm out here, you know? I love it. I know I've come so far too from my counseling and that just commenting on the mind map thing. I was amazed yeah. when I went to see my counselor and I had told her, you know, cause they always say like, Oh, what's your goal? Why are you here? Whatever. And I gave her my reasons. And by like the third session, she had told me like, look, you have PTSD. And I was like, what? And then she told me what my trigger was. And I'm telling you, Amanda, I almost fell out of my chair. I was shocked. I had never saw it coming at all. You know what I mean? It was just something yeah. that I was, I was so used to coping with that. I had masked it away as just a thing that happened in my life all the time and I had to deal with it and never once did I ever think it was the root cause of I mean it led to a two-year journey sitting in her office and it's just it's amazing what it does when you can find that way to start unpacking and it sounds like that EFT tapping is really a powerful tool for that you know it's really something gosh that's that's so amazing that you're in this spot that you are now and really your (laughs) happiness and your wholeness is just exuding through the screen for those of you listening we we zoom when we do these so I can see Amanda but I can just tell that you're happy and you're in such a good place and you've overcome so much in your life and all of that loss you know like you're not that old of a person and you've experienced a lot of loss and that's unique to you and I think that overcoming and learning through and finding your place knowing that you have a purpose your true purpose is now apparent you know what I mean and it's it's a beautiful thing gosh Amanda tell us more about who you are now what ways do you learn through life now now that you're in this spot and you've blossomed you're a beautiful flower (laughs) well I have to kind of check myself on the learning because I've learned I use learning as a procrastination tool (laughs) so I will sign up for all the classes all the learnings I will buy all the books but I will use those as excuses to show up as a leader or show up as the counselor or show up, you know, in those other roles because I'll be like, Oh no, I just need to learn one more thing. Oh no, I'm not ready yet. I need to learn one more thing. And so. Oh my God. I think I might be doing that. (laughs) Right. So I totally support being a lifelong learner and I've learned that there's a balance so that you're not using learning as a procrastination tool. So so my goal is I'm, you know, right now I'm in a couple masterminds and I'm doing my advanced EFT practitioner training. Yeah. And after that's all done, we're in the season of winter, right? So in the season of winter, it's a perfect season to be learning and growing and coming up through this, ready for this rebirth, right? When spring comes. End of April, beginning of May, my learning 
will shift and I will be taking on more of a role of the teacher. And yes. that's part of why I'm doing all these podcasts. And I started a Facebook group and I'm trying to get myself out there more because I am now the person that wants to use all of my education and experience and skills and passions and almost everything I've lived through to help others. I want to yes. get that message out there. I want to let people know that, you know, it's okay to talk about things like grief, loss, and death. It's okay yeah. to talk about emotional wellness and mental health. And if you're struggling, you know, our lives right now are putting us through trials and tribulations of unknown proportions. Like we've never seen before. Our nervous systems are being tried and tested every single day. Yes. While I would love to eventually work myself out of a job because everybody is healed or has the tools to do the healing yeah. and they're coping and we're in a world full of compassion and kindness and love. Right now, the reality is, is that, you know, leaders like us are needed that yeah. are out there spreading the messages and yeah. shining light in those areas of darkness for others to find. So I, that's who I am now is I, I am it. learning to transition from learner being yeah. the, the main role yeah. to educator and leader. Yes. Um, being part of that role as I well. I love that. And you really can balance the two. You know, I'm a yes. teacher and I've got this podcast now. And I feel like in many ways, I, people are learning from me all of the time. Now, I, I have so many people reach out to me and say, you are so down to earth. Thank you so much for doing this because people can talk about the same topic, 10 different people, and they're going to say it 10 different ways. And you right. reach different people by who you are and the way that you explain things or just your personality or your voice or whatever. And so <laughs> So you're right. It is important for us leaders to be out and sharing our knowledge and help to heal people and motivate people, inspire people. And I just love that that's what you're doing. But remember, you can have a balance, Amanda. You do not yes. have to stop learning. If you love it, you keep doing it. I never stop learning. Never. Well, I have a pretty tall stack of books that I'm, okay. that I'm waiting to. So that's where I'm going to transition. Good. I'm going to quit taking everybody else's courses. Yeah. Right. And signing up for everybody. And I'm going to start developing my own courses. There you go. And I'm going to finally read all those books that I've been Oh, I love up. it. Maybe you should read write a book someday. I have my own it's, children's book. So if you need uh, help with publishing, you just let me know. I've done yeah, I kind of would like to do a memoir of sorts, like a personal essay kind of memoir collection. That's a that's in the works. It's in the thought process. I also do poetry. I used to be a spoken word poet and would do performance poetry. And so as I've done more healing and that creative juice is coming back, some of that's coming up as well. And so I actually like I'm tossing around the idea of getting back into my poetry some more. So. I love that. That's so exciting. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of, though? You had mentioned how your creativity started to come back. So see, yeah, it's coming back in one, more than one way. I yeah. And that. I'm really grateful for that. Because oh, that's a amazing Amanda it's I been love quite that. the dry spell <laughs> yeah and it's gonna feel so good getting that out and you'll see that your healing has become sort of a, a source for right. that creative outlet which is really cool you know gosh Amanda so to anyone who's maybe struggling in any way shape or form similar to you or maybe they just felt like connected to you in some way what is the most valuable piece of advice that you would give them to learn that it's okay to not be okay and to accept ourselves that we are right where we're supposed to be right where we're at right now and that if where you're at isn't working, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. It's okay to seek support. It's okay to kind of be vulnerable 
and yeah. courageous, right? They go hand in hand and I put agree. yourself out there and ask for that support. Yeah. My counselor would always tell me that it's the strongest ones who actually go and get yeah. help, especially in an emotional front. I feel like yes. the mental health and the, the inner strength, we just have this this big wall built around that whole idea. And, yes. and for some reason, and it's like, oh, you go get help. Oh, you know, I even I even had a close family member throw it in my face when I was going like, oh, well, you're the one who needs mental health. And I'm like, yeah. trust me, this person I'm talking about, he <laughs> needs it more than anybody. Let me tell you. But I was just like, whatever. If that's what right. you want to say, fine. But I know that I'm going on my path and I'm becoming the best version of me that I can become. Exactly. And I'm doing that work. And it is. It's the hardest work you can do, but it's the biggest payoff that you can ever have. Right. And to add to that, you know, my dad was gone at age. 62. And yeah. so we never know what moment's going to be our last. While I advocate for balance, right? Like don't go don't go too YOLO, right? Like <laughs> yeah, right? too crazy. But do do embrace that you do only get to live once. I think the best way to live our lives is to recognize that because we only get one life, why not strive in that life to yeah. be our best version of ourselves? Yes. And have that be our ripple in the pond. Yes. Oh, I love I, that. I believe it was my Angela that said like people aren't going to remember what you said or what you did, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. Yes. And so I, my hope, my legacy is that I have made the world a better place from whatever ripple I've left in the pond for how I've made people feel. I love that. And hopefully- You'll never know. You'll never know right. how far that ripple travels either. That's right. the best part, you know? I and love so- that. Yeah, to, but I had to start to get to that point. I had to start by asking for help and yeah. being vulnerable and, and saying that like, hey, I'm not okay. And it's okay that I'm not okay. But how can I change this? And right. what can I do? Oh my gosh, Amanda, amazing. Gosh, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing all of your story. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it was so powerful. And you had me in tears a couple of times. And I just feel my whole body is there with you. And I'm just so, so happy that you're in the place that you are now. And honestly, I think we should talk more often because <laughs> you're amazing. And I just think oh, that it's a good, it's a good thing. You know, us like-minded people need to kind of stick together. And I'm just really, really glad that you were able to come on my show and be here for my listeners and share your story with all of us. It's been really powerful. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Thank I've you so it. much, Amanda. Well, there you go, you guys. Another valuable conversation in the books. I had so much fun chatting with Amanda and hearing her story of loss and overcoming life's hardships and just generally having the undying drive to want to be better and get better. And now she's following her passion of helping others reach, reach their own potential, which I think is just awesome. Amanda, you were such an inspiration and I'm just so, so appreciative of you. Your genuine personality shines through in everything that you do. And I'm just happy that I had the opportunity to have her on. As I let you go today, as always, I want to relay a heartfelt thank you through the sound waves from my soul to yours. I appreciate your time, your listening. Really hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review and share, share, share this episode with someone that you feel may benefit. This podcast thrives on reviews and sharing between people. So if you feel like you've benefited, share it with someone who you think you might benefit as well. Head over to floatonpodcast.com to add us on social media and see updates. You can also find me on Instagram at floatonpodcast. I'm your host and producer, Dela Jean. Until next time, float on.